Surely I can hear you. Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. First of all, a quick announcement. We, um, a couple, it would have been July, two, maybe three weeks ago, we had a couple podcasts mm-hmm. about choosing the perfect broker, 10 points on how to choose a broker, and we promised we were going to do a follow-up on that. We never did it. I never did it, um, so we're going to do it this week. I'm going to uh, announce and, uh, on this podcast and then also email everyone that's emailed me. If you'd like to attend that, it's not going to be a podcast. I think what I'm going to do is just end up having it be like a VIP mastermind type situation where you'll get invited to a, uh, a webinar. That way, the point is you guys can ask questions while um, we're sharing with you our, what we feel is to be the, you know, the, the rules that you should all be following if you're trying to set up your perfect brokerage, but also or team, frankly, or some of you, most of you, a lot of you are asking me about switching brokerages. We got a lot of emails towards the end of last year just I don't even, just tons. It's probably if it's not our number one question, it's got to be our, you know, number one, two okay. or three question about how yeah. do you, how do you choose a broker? You know, that's something that everybody asks. And uh, as the economy is changing, as the housing market's changing, as all those types of things happen, people are saying, hey, guess what? I need to make sure that I'm making the right decisions as far as who's representing me, as far as a brokerage, but also you know, commission splits and all that stuff matter. So we're going to be doing that event this week. Look for if you've emailed me already. Um, that's great. You're going to get an email back with the information on how to dial in. If you're interested in uh, attending that, I want you to go ahead and email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com. So Julie has arranged a perfect podcast for us today, something I think really is timely. Um, It's about scarcity and abundance and really determining whether you have a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset. And that's really incredibly true, especially in a market that's going to be challenging and continue to do so. But before, Julie, you get your first, first points, anybody else you'd like to acknowledge or anything you'd like to say, share, do, whatnot? A lot of general chatter on Facebook. People definitely getting much busier than uh, coming out of the holidays. Lots of people are just dripping with leads and referrals and time management is a hot topic in premier coaching. And it all kind of works hand in hand. How are you handling your mindset? How are you handling your schedule so that you don't get into a state of overwhelm? And that's where scarcity versus abundance starts to appear. It's kind of like the ego conversation. You know, most people don't say, well, I have an e-, they would never say I've got an ego problem. But when you explain the manifestations of that, then they can recognize, yeah, well, maybe my ego is getting in the way. Scarcity and abundance are kind of a similar thing. You may not think that you have a scarcity mindset until you get slammed, and you might be saying things like, well, gosh, you know what? I've got so many leads, I, I don't know, I don't think I can handle anymore. It doesn't appear like it's that issue, but as we get into this, we're going to ask some questions, so you guys listening will want to take some notes, and we'll put you through the ringer when do you sometimes have a scarcity mindset or have you already worked on this and you on purpose have an abundance mindset? So let's talk about that. 
Stephen Covey wrote about this. He said, most people are deeply scripted in what I call the scarcity mentality. They see life as having only so much as though there were only one pie out there. And if someone were to get a big piece of the pie, it would mean less for everybody else. The scarcity mentality is the zero-sum paradigm of life. People with a scarcity mentality have a very difficult time sharing recognition, sharing credit, sharing power or profit, even with those who help in the production. They also have a really hard time genuinely being happy for the success of other people. So that's, that's one of the more concise explanations of how you might think about a scarcity mindset, thinking that there's only so much to go around. So what do you uh, do with that? If you have a scarce, uh, mindset of scarcity, you believe that money, friends, success, promotion, all these things are scarce. You believe that there simply are not enough of these things for everyone to have a chance, and that affects your thoughts, your actions, your outlook, as well as the perception you have of everyone else and by everyone else. So if you're scarcity-minded, your thoughts revolve around not having enough, not being enough, and usually with a scarcity mindset, it's never your fault. There's a strong sense of victimhood in you if you're of this mindset. The scarcity mindset keeps you away from things like saving. You find it challenging to save both time and money because they're scarce. This is your belief. If you have either, you spend it immediately before something happens to it. Well, with regards to real estate, it's an interesting dichotomy because commissions seem too scarce. You can tend towards the more aggressive side, which sometimes serves you well, but often will bite you. You guys see this sometimes from yourselves, but also I'm sure you've experienced it from other agents. You know, we used to talk sometimes how agents act occasionally like it must be their only deal that they're acting this way. Well, that's a scarcity thing. So... There's 11 ways, there's a lot more, but these are the obvious ways to know if you're scarcity-minded in your real estate practice. Now, note to self, if you can answer yes to even half of these things, you've got a mindset challenge that you've got to work on. Maybe get a coach to help you with this. Maybe it's going to come out in premier coaching a little bit. But you've got to get that corrected prior to getting to whatever your next level is. These things will hold you back. Now, sometimes you slip into this, right? So maybe overall you have a mindset of abundance, but when you get really tired or you're sick or you've got more leads than you normally do, you got more sellers, you got more listings and two of them are kind of a pain in your neck, sometimes that can put you back into this scarcity mindset. Anything you want to add to that, Tim, before we do a little test of this? Well, you said something there a second ago. And we see it a lot of places. I think is Right, but you said something I really liked, and it's important that they understand this. If you have a tendency not to save money, it's interesting. It's a scarcity mindset because your belief is you have to go out and spend the money you have because being that money is scarce, you might not have it again to spend. So for those of you in, thus creating scarcity of money because you're spending the money that you're worried about not having, you guys see how it's kind of a circular subconscious argument you're having with yourself? And it's very fascinating when you ask, when you really drill down on that particular concept of, well, maybe I'm not saving money because I'm worried it's the whole live for today because you don't know you're going to be here tomorrow kind of mindset, the not thinking about the future mindset, the not saving mindset, the not studying mindset, the looking for a shortcut mindset. Those all root back to a mindset of scarcity. They really do. And when you kind of like start meandering down this path, and start thinking about the whole scarcity versus abundance uh, conversation that goes on within you, you will start to feel, in a, in a strange way, a little bit less pressure 
to, uh, frankly, um, you know, do some of the destructive things you've been doing. Because what you create for yourself by not saving is an omnipressure, is an omni, omnipresent sense of pressure and stress from not having any financial security. And what follows that is sometimes excessive amounts of debt. But the same goes true when you are saying, well, I'm not going to take the time to learn how to, say, for example, proactively lead generate if I can just buy leads because it's the scarcity mindset again. Like if I don't go out and buy those leads, somebody else is going to buy the leads. And by the way, when those companies call you up and they're trying to sell you leads, don't they, don't they always play into your scarcity mindset? If you don't buy these leads, somebody else is going to buy them. Or other people that are selling information like, you know, you better learn how to, you know, send videos on Instagram to lead generate, which, you know, of course doesn't work, or, or your competitors are going to, you know, learn how to do it first. Or they're trying to sell you a marketing campaign. They'll say, well, there can only be one mayor of your town. You know, they use all these little kind of, you know, come on lines. Uh, and if you don't grab it, somebody else is going to get it. It goes back to the scarcity mindset. You better send out a whole bunch of postcards. You better be branding yourself as being the number one agent in your marketplace. Otherwise, someone will claim it. That's all scarcity mindset stuff. And what do Julie and I teach you how to do? We don't teach you trying to motivate you out of that lowest common denominator. We're trying to teach you skills. We're trying to teach you a long-term, a way to have a long-term sustainable business so that you can accumulate wealth, so you can be rich where your money works so you no longer work for your money. Do you see the huge difference in the approach that we're taking versus, frankly, the way everything else is being sold to you guys? Are you noticing that? Are you paying attention to that? That's something you really have to really drill down on within yourself. If you're just to start being aware of how you're going about making decisions, like before you decide to purchase something for your business or just in life in general, just kind of like stop yourself and question, okay, why am I purchasing this? Is it, how was I motivated? Am I trying to purchase this just because, you know, for example, I have this fear that if I don't do it, you know, if I don't buy it, somebody else will? Am I being motivated to do something because somebody's essentially tricked me using my lowest common denominator fear? Is that really what's going to continue to motivate you the rest of your life? So as Julie's going through her points, I want you guys to really give yourself the opportunity to be introspective and think about what it's going to take for you to truly have this be your best year ever. Jules? Yes, so how do you know? And again, you don't have to say yes to all of these to declare that you've got this scarcity issue to work on. It's just probably half of them, or maybe you suffer this half the time. So be introspective on this. And Tim, you touched on the first one. You have no savings. How do you know you're in a scarcity mindset? Well, number one, you have no savings ever. And if you do, it's maybe for a couple of weeks, sometimes as scarce as a couple of hours. Some of you have convinced yourselves that it is the real estate lifestyle to go from deal to deal, then get a commission advance, and then start for a little bit, and then scramble for another deal. And maybe somebody has even said to you, oh, that's normal for a commission salesperson. That's not normal. That's a scarcity issue, okay? So not ever having any savings or any uh, significant savings is a symptom of a scarcity mindset. Number two, you believe there's only so much money going to go around and often get into conflict over commissions, both with clients and with other agents, and you're a big fan of the procuring cause argument. You'd rather go to the mat over who took that buyer to the open house than go get a new lead and just not worry about it. Okay, so if you get into fights about commissions a lot, you probably have a scarcity problem. Number three, you don't use buyer's agency because you're scared of losing the commission to an agent who doesn't use agency agreements. Real obvious place. We've talked about that on previous calls. Easy to fix that. Number four, you lose listings over, quote, sticking to your guns on commission. I would say this is also an ego symptom as well as a scarcity problem. You lose listings over sticking to your guns on commission. You'd rather be right or righteous than give a little to make a deal happen. 
you pride yourself in lack of flexibility on things like price and commission. These are the agents that will walk around saying, I walked away from it because they wouldn't take my commission, or I walked away from it because they wouldn't take my price, versus having a real conversation about what their motivation is, what their time frame is, how they arrived at that price, and how you might be a little bit flexible to help them accomplish their goals, assuming they're not crazy. Okay? So if you find yourself having that conversation and, quote, walking away from a lot, that's an issue. Number five, and this, this, again, I think this is an ego thing as well, you are immune to goal setting and feel you're above it. Goal setting, quote, isn't for you. You know, we talk about the treasure map a lot, being so effective in drilling down on what's important to you, what are your financials, what are your goals in five areas of life. And there's just this certain element out there, and I don't think it's necessarily an agent thing. I think there's just people who are like this where they're like, well, I've never really been a goal setter. Why is that? I, I don't know. What would you say about that, Tim? I'm sure you've heard that before. Goals, you know, I've just never really been a goal setter. They're immune to it. Well, I can understand why people don't want to set goals, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I do. I, it's not, it's, they're, exactly. They're just trying to avoid the accountability. But there's also a little internal dialogue that's going on where they're saying, if I set a goal and I don't accomplish it, right? I mean, that's where it goes. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they, don't know how to, they don't know how to emotionally handle the prospect of setting a goal and not accomplishing it, so they just don't bother accomplishing it. Um, and really, the key with setting goals is essentially basically to have action plans that follow the goals, and that's what the Real Estate Treasure Map is all about, which, by the way, we give you guys for free if you just request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. The Real Estate Treasure Map is one of the books you get. You're also entitled to a coaching call with one of our new member coaches that are going to put your lead generation plan in place for 2019. But I know why people don't set goals. Like, if you set the goal of losing 20 pounds and you, you know, you that's a big freaking that's a yeah you know that's going to require yeah. a lot of changes in big your deal. life that are going to make you uncomfortable if you say for example i want to you know uh save money or if i want to learn how to go after uh fizbos or expireds or just you know center, get my centers of influence all these goal type things they require action and a lot of people just don't want to take the action that's what it is that's true Explain yeah that. i mean that's it that's no. not complicated occam's razor you know the most obvious answer is almost always the answer why don't people set goals well here's another question why do people set goals without action plans, even though they know they need an action plan in order to get the goal accomplished, it's because same thing, they'll always have an excuse not to have accomplished the goal. So, built in. I mean, guys, let, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's, it's built into the whole, it's basically an objection. It is, uh, then they never have to be accountable to it. So these things are all intertwined. I'm trying to make it, you know, a practical thing that everybody can first say, oh, yeah, I've known somebody like that, and then maybe look introspective. It's always easy to say, oh, yeah, I've seen that before, before you get introspective with yourself. So here's an example in real estate of scarcity. You often get outbid on competitive buyer offers because you feel for the buyers not having enough to go high enough to win. Okay, then you blame the buyer, the market, or the other agent of the seller that you're dealing uh, for your deal not happening. If you do get something in contract, of course, it also is because of you, your expertise, your experience, and abilities. No one else is given credit or congratulations. This is how agents get tangled up in weird negotiations. But I've seen a lot of times, you know, buyer's agents sometimes get into this, regular agents do this, where you know, because that buyer's having to stretch a lot or they're having to cough up a lot of earnest money. It's like you're – it's that scarcity of not enough money to go around. You commiserate with them more, and then you're more like them. It's, I'm not explaining this very well, but I think you know what I mean. Um, when 
you become more scarcity minded because you see it in someone else, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, point number seven is easier. Well, what do you mean You're by always... that? Don't, what do you mean by that? Well, you, you, so you... let me think of a better example. Well, I can give, I, my... I know it, when you said that, when you said that, here's what my, where my mindset went, or my, my thoughts went. You, Julie and I are both mm-hmm. on DayQuil guys, so bear with us. <laughs> well, but here's, here's where my mindset went. I was thinking about the fact that, like, you know, people have similar they, – they group, group around each other, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. people who have scarcity mindsets have a tendency to congregate around each other, to reinforce mm-hmm. that scarcity mindset, because then in doing so, they also reinforce the idea that they don't have to make themselves uncomfortable and do what they don't want to do and they don't want to do at the highest level. That's true. I mean, if you're going to be around a bunch of other people that are going to be constantly saying, well, why bother? You know, there's not you know, in, in some form, right? Some iteration. Why bother? There's not enough to go around, or you know, so and so has that you know neighborhood, or just all these types. You know, you can't go and get a, an expired listing, or you can't take a listing until you've been in the business for 20 years, and just you know, nobody sells houses right when they get the real estate licenses. You have to wait six months to make sure you have bunches of savings. All these scarcity mindsets. That's scarcity. Things. Well, that that's a good oh, point. Right. That's that's a better point, I think, is that you can't do this until you've had that. And why would you say that to somebody if you didn't believe that there wasn't enough to go around? But who's you know, the one like, saying uh, it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, but who's the one saying it? So the people that are telling you guys stuff like that, what they're doing is they're exposing their scarcity mindsets. Exactly. To say that you can't, you know, I remember very, you know, Julie and I have been in the business for 25 years. And when Julie and I, are, our first full year in business, we sold over 100 houses. We did something that nobody else even remotely thought was possible. Matter of fact, at the time, and it's still true from what I understand, no one had ever sold that many houses their first year in real estate. Um, it was like 103 houses closed and pending our first year. We did it in Columbus, Ohio. There were no special circumstances. We didn't list a subdivision. We weren't just, you know, there were no lots. There was no big, huge thing. If this was single-family house by single, you know, condos, things like that. A lot of them, <laughs> you know. For us to sell that many, we had to probably talk with I don't even know how many. We weren't very skilled when we got into the business, but we were hardworking. We were diligent. We had energy and enthusiasm. You know, this was when we were kids. We looked like we were teenagers and we were able to do this. But everywhere we went, I remember very clearly, people were trying to set limitations on what we could accomplish our first year in the business. It, was, it, it started when you got your real estate license. I mean, you sat there, and the teacher literally said, the people to your left and the people to your right are not going to be in the business in 24 months. And they were pretty much right. But what a wonderful thing to tell somebody as they're trying to start their real estate career. Or when you get into, you know, when you get into the business, you're just, it's constant scarcity everywhere and every time you turn the corner. The one thing that I'd say that we ask, you know, going back to the whole idea of, you know, that we're going to do this how to choose your broker type thing, one of the main things is, is the broker's not going to force you to do a bunch of involuntary educational training, whatnots, beyond what's necessary as a broker. Because unfortunately, what you'll be uh, inundated with is a lot of scarcity-type thinking. You cannot take a listing. You have to work buyers the first few years you're in the business, and you have to buy them. You know, I, have, I know for a fact that a lot of you guys were told when you got your licenses you're supposed to buy buyer leads and things like this. Mm-hmm. You're not told that you can actually develop the skill set to go generate your own business. You're not told that you can actually start taking listings the second you get your real estate license. I mean, why not? you telling me the people that are taking the listings are somehow massively more skilled than you, even though you just got your license? It's not true. They may have their license longer, but they don't have necessarily any more experience than you do because they haven't really sold anything, right? So some of you guys have this belief that you have to delay your success, and it's not true. That's scarcity thinking. 
Some of you believe that, well, you know what, I'm getting my license this year, or, you know, I had my license, I got second half of last year, and I'm going to get around and get everything organized and choose my CRM and do all these other things. I'm going to do this for the next 6 to 12 months, and then I'm going to get started again. And da 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 I mean, other than just pure laziness and procrastination, why are you even considering waiting? What's the, what's the thought process behind that? You think it's going to be easier for you 6 or 12 months from now? It's not. Just get started. Guys, look, the scarcity mindset, you know, here's another little fascinating thing. If you think about food, a lot of times we're raised to have these uh, sort of unhealthy beliefs about what's healthy in regards to food. And clean your plate. Okay, well, what if you're not hungry anymore? Clean your plate. Why? Because it comes from a mind, guys, honestly, it comes from a scarcity mentality. You're supposed to clean your plate because there's no guarantee you're going to have any more food. It comes from the idea that you're supposed to essentially, you guys get the whole, see how this builds on it, one thing builds on the other. You're supposed to, when you go out to dinner, when you feed yourself, you're supposed to eat excessive amounts because your subconscious lizard brain is saying, you better freaking load up on the food, otherwise you don't know when you're going to eat again. It Literally, that's, the, that's how pervasive the scarcity mindset is into all of our Literally, it's wired into our DNA. And so unless we become conscious of it, you end up basically being overweight, overworked. You end up essentially not having any savings, not accumulating anything, because you're constantly having this tug of war internally of scarcity. Julie, can you give a personal example? Well, you know, I was just just thinking about when you pay attention to marketing, not just in real estate, but say you go to Costco, um, just the phrase, while supplies last – you know, it's like it's everywhere how we're being uh, controlled into overdoing things through fear of scarcity, right? You listen to radio commercials while you're driving around, and the, it'll be something like that, you know, limited quantity call today, right? It could be on anything. So I, I think as far as coaching clients go, I mostly see it, uh, you know, when they don't learn things like objection handling to defend their commission, and they have some kind of like commission guilt over making that much. So their plan is to just do everything at 45 or 5% and maybe also overpriced to, to make sure that they get the listing when really that's a lack of skills thing and it's a scarcity uh, mentality, I think, because it's like they've got some kind of weird guilt about if they make that much money, they're taking it off the seller's plate. I don't know. There's a lot going on with that um, the mindset of it. That's that's where I see it. And the example I used earlier too, that you know, you don't learn to do a buyer presentation and get a buyer in, in buyer agency because you live in in fear that somebody else who doesn't do that is going to take that buyer away from you. That sort of thing. And all of it costs agents money thinking this way, one way or another, by not, you know, upping their skill set so that they can have a better mindset. Well, Another example, Julie, this would be Go ahead. Well, look, look, how, look how basic some of this stuff is. You don't pre-qualify your buyers because you don't want to ask questions that might result in them, uh, you determining that they're not the buyers you should be working with. That's then a they go away mindset. and you have no buyers. Scarcity. Or they, your, your mind is telling, oh, my God, if you run these buyers off, even though you know they're probably not even ever going to buy from you, then you're going to have to go out and get another buyer. And what if you can't get another buyer? Blah, 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 blah. Same goes with when you're taking a listing. Julie just gave some examples when you're at the table, but how many of you basically spend all your time, you know, trying to? How many? It's funny, Julie. I do this on coaching calls sometimes. Um, when my coaching clients don't have enough leads, right? Because you always have to be thinking that in real estate, there's a cycle. A conversation you have with a potential seller today 
isn't a paycheck in 30 days. Sometimes, depending on the price range, it could be a paycheck in a year. So knowing the cycle, your sales cycle, and your uh, the specific price points, different markets. I mean, there's you know there's some drill down stuff you got to know if you want to be successful with this, in terms of uh, you know market stats. But then they'll only have enough leads going forward. So I'll say, look, you've got enough leads. It looks like you're going to have good closings through mid-year, but you don't have enough leads for the second half of the year. You're not taking enough listings. You're not, and and it's fascinating because they do start exposing their scarcity mindset about like, well, you know, what if I can't handle it? So there's scarcity of time, there's scarcity of energy, there's scarcity of well, after all, right? Exactly. So when you guys are trying to figure out what it is that's causing not you're not taking the actions you intuitively know you need to take, you need to stop yourself and you really need to determine what it is that's holding you back and chances are it's simply some miswired thoughts that were software that's loaded into your brain and you just need to load up a new OS. Um, and a lot of the stuff that you you'll a lot of the ways you're going to discover the scarcity mindset is just by stopping yourself occasionally, you don't have to do this all the time, otherwise it becomes weird, you know, but stop yourself when you're essentially talking with somebody, you're saying something, become an observer of what you're saying. When you're about to spend money on something, this is a way that uh, went back in the recession. A lot of people were, you know, the Great Recession, a lot of people were trying to figure out how to curb their spending without feeling really bad about it because, you know, they had to cut back on this, the other thing. And and so one of the, I remember Julie and I were teaching some of our coaching clients before you spend any money, ask yourself if you're buying this because you need it, like food, sustenance, or you're doing it to elicit a feeling within you. In other words, are you doing this to feel a certain way? Are you buying that purse to feel a certain way? Or are you buying that expensive cup of coffee to feel a certain way? Or because you absolutely positively need it? And when you start really uh, examining your own behaviors from an observer's perspective, you very quickly are able to change some of the, the adverse behaviors that you have that have been harming your potentiality. And, and that's, it's just these tiny little opportunities to be introspective that changes the world for you. Um, the big thing you guys got to be very observant of when you're trying to get the most out of yourself every day is notice how much you're being motivated. You're being motivated involuntarily by people tricking your scarcity mindset, right? That's the main thing in modern society, especially things that are being sold to real estate people. They're all being sold off some, you know, fake limited, uh, you know, limited number of whatever. They sell zip codes that way for you guys buying leads. They sell the, you know, we talked earlier about the idea that marketing is going to be this thing that's going to make a, you know, comeback. And because if these all things, these things all follow predictable cycles. And so marketing and agents doing branding and all that, well, you know, they're going to try to sell that to you out of scarcity too. So whenever you have somebody that's trying to sell you something out of scarcity, that's what they're trying to do, you really got to ask yourself, okay, if I'm being motivated to take action because I'm fearful because they're tricking my scarcity, you know, my internal scarcity button is going off, the scarcity light is being triggered, you've got to ask yourself, is it still an action you want to take or are you doing it involuntarily? In other words, are you starting to operate at a level of consciousness or unconsciousness. And once you realize that most of your decisions are being made in an unconscious state where you're not really thinking, you're just behaving and you're just acting, you're just reacting, when you start waking up to the fact that you can operate in a conscious state, even when you're on DayQuil like Julie and I, <laughs> it does change the world for you because then you start seeing other people operate in an unconscious state. 
I know this sounds a little woo-woo, and some of you like it, and others of you are going like, Tim, what the hell are you talking about? I'm just All I'm merely asking you guys to do is realize how much of your time on this planet is spent you know, essentially in an unconscious state where you're being easily triggered and motivated by other people who know how to do it through, you know, in this particular example with this particular podcast, trying to trigger your fear of scarcity, your fear of loss, your fear of not being fast enough, your fear of your competitor, your fear of fear of fear. See, these are all ego-based level ways to manipulate somebody. And if you decide to step out of that realm, one of the things you're going to have to do is the reason Julie and I tell you to do, you know, basically have a media-free life, not just media-free morning, but media-free life, just totally and completely ignore anything that even remotely resembles media. When you do that, and then you take a step back into it, say you want, maybe you're sitting in an airport and the news is on or whatever, you're going to see that everything is essentially fear-based, scarcity-based. Everything they're trying to sell you, every news story, every everything is all going back to that sort of unconscious state of fear and scarcity. And you gotta, you're going to realize that you just sit there. If you've been tuned out of it for a long time, it's like, it's like getting off coffee, which I don't know why you'd ever want to do it. But if you were to, which I have before, and you go back to it, it's almost shocking how much a difference caffeine can make if you haven't had it for a while. Well, the same is with news. If you go away from news, if you go away from all that sort of craziness and all that media and all that way of thinking, and then you chime back in on it, it just feels really crazy. It feels really sort of literally like the world has gone mad, and then you realize when you step back out of it, everything seems sane again. It's because they're trying to trick you into this state of fear. They're trying to basically have you operate not out of a conscious state, not out of a thinking state, but out of a fear-based state. And that's where all this roots back to. So hopefully this makes sense to you guys, and you can use this information to make better decisions and how to, you know, essentially go through the rest of this year with a mindset of abundance. Because really, the thing about abundance, and I'll tell you the way to trigger abundance. Julia, are you still on? I am. I've got to run in a minute. I know, but the best way to trigger abundance, guys, and Julia, this is a two-parter, correct? Yes. Yep, maybe three. Yep. Okay, so I won't, I won't talk about uh, gratitude because I know that's what we're talking about tomorrow. Okay, guys, we'll that's talk about that headed. tomorrow. We're gonna, yeah, I know. We're going to talk about a way that anytime you're feeling uh, the scarcity mindset or the fear-based mindset overwhelming you, Julie and I are going to show you a quick way of sort of tricking yourself into snapping out of it. Um, and it is, just for, for foreshadowing tomorrow's show, it is basically putting you in a state of gratitude, which is kind of the gift that God gave us that allows all of us to have immediate control of our thoughts, whereas all these purveyors of Mickey Mouse and BS uh, can't break through your strong mindset when you're feeling a sense of abundance that is triggered through your willingness to allow yourself to show and feel gratitude towards the wonderful life that you have, no matter where you're living, no matter what situation you find yourself in. Uh, you know, here's a great answer when someone asks, how's it going, or how's your day going, or any of those other types of things. It's something I picked up a long time ago, and it's very true. Anytime you wake up and you're looking at the green side of the grass, it's a great day. I, I like that because it kind of sets the bar either very high or very low. You'll have to determine that yourself. But the truth is, is it makes it so that you're constantly reminding yourself that anytime you're alive, it's a gift. And with that gift is what you do with that gift is truly and exceptionally up to you. So if there's anything I can do for you guys, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, 
visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.